Amen. Welcome to everyone today. If you are a guest this morning, we are very happy to have you with us today. We thank you so much for being here. If it's your first or your second time today, we invite you to stop by our welcome area in the back before you leave, and uh, we want to give you a small token of appreciation. If you're joining us online today, wherever you're watching us from, we welcome you as a part of this service. Pray that you are blessed by it. You can, I guess you can be seated for a moment. I, uh, I realize you, you, you learn bits and pieces about a preacher through their preaching, but in a lot of ways, you don't really know all about them. And so just a, a little secret about me, I, I kind of happen to be a guy that every now and then I have a tendency to kind of get in a routine. I have a tendency to go to a restaurant and order the same thing. If it's good, why change? I have a tendency to go to the same restaurant and then order this. And uh, I also have a tendency when I hear a song that just clicks, that I just might as well put repeat on the settings. And, and Friday I was running a couple of errands during the day and I got in the car and I just happened to... Uh, have it on XM on Enlighten. If you don't know what Enlighten is on XM, it is not a New Age channel. It's actually the Southern Gospel channel on XM. And as I've said many times, I listen to the whole range of gospel Christian music. And there was a song that came on and uh, never heard it before. I think it's actually a couple years old, but I had never heard it. And for better or worse, it stuck. And I probably have listened to it about 25 times in the last 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> Not really exaggerating, really. <laughs> and I walked in... Yesterday, I guess it was, I've been at the church for some meetings and the young man on the keyboard, which if you're a guest, that's my son. The guy on the drums is my son. The lady holding, the young lady holding the microphone is not my son, she's my daughter. I will refrain from some politically insightful comments at this moment. The young lady holding the other microphone is my wonderful wife, and I have one more daughter that I don't know if she was too nervous about being associated with us or what. But I walked in and I heard Nathaniel playing, and I actually was contemplating playing the song, just playing it. If you've ever, I've done that, and that's just kind of awkward. Unless you got at least like a video playing to watch. It's, so I heard him playing it, learning it. I had actually sent it to all of them because I felt like it. Several of them and some stuff they're going through. And so I do not have the delusion that I missed a career as a soloist, just to be clear. 
I have no thoughts that that was really my calling and I'm here. But I want to sing this song. I feel like it would, if you would open your heart to it, I think some folks here today, God would like to minister to you. You know, there, there really is a power, there's power in music, there's power in songs. God's the, God himself is the one that originated it all. The world has copied it, the world has stolen it, the world has misused it, but originally it was for God. So, really I'd like to tell you all to close your eyes and bow your heads, because you make me really nervous, but I won't do that, so here we go. probably should just start let him follow actually which sorry which uh which one controls this to make sure i might not want to hear myself so i may turn it down last one ah yeah the one that says solo solo oh no i hear myself now all right let's try it again sorry you nod when it's time to start how about that all right give me another nod i wasn't ready for that one I faced a mountain that I've never faced before. That's why I'm calling on you, Lord. I know it's been a while, but Lord, please hear my prayer. I need you like I never have before. Sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes a troubled sea. Sometimes it takes a desert to get a Sometimes it 
here today. Sometimes it takes a desert 
Chapter 29, beginning with verse number 1. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, Oh, can you hear sort of the sigh in that oh? Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me, when, past tense, his candle shined upon my head and when by his light I walked through the darkness as I was in the days of my youth when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle when the Almighty was yet with me when my children were about me message bible says it like this job now resumed his response oh how i long for the good old days when god when god past tense you hear it when god took such very good care of me he always held a lamp before me and i walked through the dark by its light Oh, how I miss those golden years when God's friendship graced my home. When the Mighty One was still by my side. When the Mighty One was still by my side. And my children were all around me. When everything was going my way. And nothing seemed too difficult. When everything was going my way and nothing seemed too difficult. You may be seated, Nathaniel. You can just keep playing if you'd like. We have a... We have a challenge that I believe that is magnified as Americans or those of us living in America. That is, we search for a life of ease and convenience. We don't really need to pray when we get sick because most of us are blessed. I think it's a blessing. Most of us are blessed to have insurance. So... Why stress out about praying when you can go to the doctor and get medicine, get a prescription, and I'm not pointing fingers, throwing rocks. I've done it. I do it, okay? But we don't have a need to be desperate for God to intervene because we have 
access to so many things. You can do so much now without even getting out of your car. And now you can do so much with not even leaving your house. You can hang a bag on the front door and the dry cleaners will pick it up. You can go online and order your groceries and the grocery store will drop them off. You can pay your bills online. And thank God I don't even have to go to the bank anymore to deposit my check. I just simply take a picture of it and it goes directly into my my account. And if I find somebody for a convenience, but they're not as convenient or as quick as I want, I'm on to the next person. Google is really such a wonderful thing because if you go Google something that you have need of, if you have an air conditioner that's broke, or if you've got a need in your house, something to be fixed, you're usually going to get about three or four options that pop up with phone numbers ready to go. If you don't like the answer from the first one, call the next one. If the second one's not quick enough, call the third one. Because if you call long enough, you'll find somebody that will show up quicker and be pleasing to when you want them to be there. And so we work to avoid pain and suffering and heartache. And then, even bigger problem is we misjudge most of our circumstances. We have a tendency to do exactly what Job did. Based on my present circumstances, my assumption is, where did God go? Oh, if I could just go back to the old days. If I could just go back to how it used to be. If I could just go back to the time when God preserved me, when God took care of me when God was there. If I could just go back because surely my circumstances tell me God has abandoned me. Oh, Jesus. Surely what I'm going through, what I'm facing means God has forsaken me or what is often probably just as if not more common is we automatically begin to figure out what have I done to upset God? Surely some way I've done something to make God mad, God angry with me. And so if I could just figure out, and that's really what Job's friends showed up to try to do. I personally got a revelation, I think, a couple of years ago that Job's friends are not as bad as we quite make them out to be. That I think their motive, I think their motive for what they came to do was right. They just didn't go about it the right way. And Job's friends show up and they begin to do what is the normal thing we do. Not right, but normal. It's it's sort of the ingrained response. If you are going through such horrible circumstances, you must have done something to really tick God off. You must have done something to really make God mad because nobody (laughs) deals with what you're dealing with without having made God upset. You see, you and I have the benefit today that all of these people we preach and talk about and use for encouragement, you and I have the benefit of them today. You do understand Job had no Job to read about. 
you, you do understand Job could not open the book of Job and find a story of somebody else to look at and say, okay, not everything goes wrong in my life because I've messed up so bad. Not everything falls apart in my world because God is angry with me. In fact, it could be actually the opposite, which we definitely have trouble as human beings. Accepting and understanding. If God trusts me, then God ought to just take care of me. If God trusts me, why would he allow the devil to do what he's doing? Because sometimes takes a mountain sometimes you need a troubled sea sometimes you need a desert because that's where you will most find God the very thing we desire in our lives is usually the thing that drives us so far from God. It's not our trouble and difficulties that usually drives us from God. Sister Richards, it's usually the lack of it that drives us from God. Because when everything is ordered and everything is good and there's no sickness in my body and my wife and I are getting along pretty well and the kids seem to have not lost their mind for a little while and seem to be holding it together and the car's running well and the house is good and maybe actually was able to get a new car or get a new house and got the clothes I pretty much need. May not be exactly what I want, but got most of what I need. Got a few good friends in life. Got a decent job. Then I don't really need him. And so out of love, you do understand that everything God does and everything God allows has one motivation behind it. Love. I feel like I'm getting a spanking from him. Exactly. The days of spanking, I think, are over. I think. I think. The other one's downstairs someplace, so I got my last one at 14, I think, so you got a year to go. There have been times my kids did something in the younger years especially that I got angry about. And to the best of my ability, to the best of my ability, I don't know if I did it perfectly, but to the best of my ability, I never disciplined. I never disciplined them out of anger. I never spanked them out of anger. There were a few times that I took a pause because I knew I was angry. And so the motivation for what I was about to do was not the right motivation. didn't change that what they needed was discipline but i knew that my frame of mind but he's the heavenly father who is the perfect father and he never does anything outside of the motive of love you know what if somebody would get that today before you walked out of here your life would never be the same just that simple thing Because most of us have great trouble that when things go wrong, our first challenge is to believe that in spite of what I'm going through, God loves me. Because again, the question often is, is how if God loves me, how could he allow this or do this? And it is because sometimes he realizes that he needs to allow or create 
the circumstances where you can most encounter him. Oh, I wish I could go back, Job said. And so what you and I are able to read is Job chapter 1 where the scripture says of Job that he was an upright man. He was the most, he was the guy, he was the model guy. He was the model Christian, if you will. And what you and I have the benefit of knowing today is that God said to Satan, what about Job? And of course, Satan responds to God and says, well, there's a slight problem. You've, you've got a protection around him. I can't get to him. So God says, I tell you what, I'll, I'll remove one of those fences. You can do what you want to do in his life, but you can't touch his body and you can't take his life. And on a day in which Job lost every possession he had, and it was all capped off by the loss of seven sons and three daughters in one single accident, Job responds and says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Bible says, Brother Whaley and I talking about this a couple days ago, the Bible says that God that Job did not charge God foolishly. Have you ever read the book of Job? Did you hear what I read to you this morning? Was that in essence not an accusation against God to say you have abandoned me and forsaken me? So the good news is that God does not judge us by any one moment. Mm. God does not judge us by any one statement. It's where you end up. It's how you finish. It's how you finish. Not everybody that's won a race stayed on their feet the whole time. Some stumbled but got it together enough and were fast enough to recover in the end. It's not the day-to-day -day events of your life. No, I'm not condoning sin. I'm not condoning wrongdoing. But I also can show you some places in the Bible where some people messed up pretty bad. The Bible says about Abraham that he was fully persuaded that what God promised he would perform. Fully persuaded. If you've never read the story of Abraham, then you can accept that. If you've read the story of Abraham, you look at that statement and you say, how can it be said that he was fully persuaded because he doubted here, he doubted there, he questioned here. But God looks at the outcome. And so in spite of some of Job's questions and accusations, it says that in all that he went through, he charged, didn't charge God foolishly. Some of you ought to do like this right now. 
Thank you, Jesus. You mean what I said yesterday doesn't damn me for the rest of my life. You mean what I said last week and questioned you, you're not going to hold that against me forever. I guess I'm preaching to a bunch of perfect folks this morning. Because a few of of you ought to be a little more excited about that than you are. I wish I could go back to where I was and what Job missed and wasn't able to understand at that point that you and I can now, based on his story, take some faith and hope from is that God had not abandoned Job. He had not forsaken him. He had not left him. He was not punishing him. In fact, as difficult as it was, he was giving him the greatest demonstration of his confidence in him. Because after the first day when Job lost everything, he gave that response. Satan comes back to God angry again. And God says, I'll tell you what, I'll, go, I'll let you go one more step. I'll let you touch his body. But you can't take his life. I know this isn't that encouraging for a few of you. But for some of you it will be if it touches you. If it got to you, it was only by God's permission. God had to decide, I will let down a barrier. I'll let down a fence, but you can only go so far. I got a lot more that I'd love to preach, but I'm just, I believe the Holy Ghost is still in this place trying to complete something for some folks here today. So, so let me give you the outcome You've heard what we read in verse or chapter 29 of all of the expressions of despair and questioning and doubt. But listen to what he now says at the end. Chapter 42, in verse 1. Then Job answered the Lord and said, <laughs> You've never read it. Go home and read 41 and 40. See what Job was answering. He was answering the dress down of all time. (laughs) Where God, rapid fire, gave him question after question. He didn't show up and sit down and put his arm around him and console him. He said, stand up. Like a man. And fired away. Where were you? When I did this. Can you do that? Can you do this? And so this is what Job is answering. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything. Good old English. So let's read it. What makes a little more sense to us. I know you can do everything. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. Man, that's scary, but we won't stop there. Who 
is he that hideth counsel without knowledge. Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. I've said things that I didn't even know what I was saying. I've made statements that I didn't even really know what I was ultimately saying. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. That's, that's, he's saying this is some of the things I said. I didn't know what I was saying. I was demanding an answer of you, God. But verse number five, and many of you have heard me say this before, my favorite verse, number one favorite verse in all of the Bible. He says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear but now remember what the now is after the now is after God why have you forsaken me I wish I could go back to when God used to be with me I wish I could go back to when God's presence was with me the the word secret there in verse 5 I think it was That word basically in the Hebrew means a couch. He was saying, I wish I could go back to the days when I knew, God, you were in my house. I knew your presence was with me. I want to go back to that. Now, my eye seeth. Before I lost everything. Before all of my possessions were taken or destroyed, before I lost my children, I heard about you. But now after a mountain, now after a really, really troubled sea, now after a really hot, barren desert, I have seen you with my eye. So what it is some of you are asking God to get you out of today is really the greatest blessing you've ever experienced in your life because it's that very thing that God has ordained in your life so that you could experience Him in a way that you never even knew was possible. I wonder what would happen if instead of trying to find the way out today of what you're in, you would just start to simply look for God right where you are. It's not a matter of if I can get out of these circumstances, if I can get out of this situation, I can find God. No. Some of you have some God-ordained mountains today. Let me just say it in closing. Some of you, your mountain, your sea, your desert is circumstances beyond your control that you had no ability to determine what happened or didn't happen. But I preach to a few people here this morning, your mountain, your desert, your sea, is partly in response to some decisions and choices that you made 
but God. In his love and mercy, knew that for some, he had to make your mountain. <laughs> for some, he had to create your troubled sea and lead you into a desert. But he also knew for others of us, we'd just help him out. I don't need you to make my mountain, God. I can do that pretty good by myself. I, I don't need you to stir up my sea. I know how to do that on my own. I, I don't need you to get me in the desert. I know how to find my way there all by myself. So would you understand, would you accept right now that whether your circumstances are beyond your control or some of you, your circumstances are a result of you, that either way, Sometimes, heads bowed, eyes closed, if you would, please. Sometimes, there's a mountain. Sometimes, there's a troubled sea. Sometimes, there is a desert. But it's just so He can get a hold of you. And His love, oh, His love, is so much stronger than whatever troubles me. So there are people in this place today that God has blessed you with what you need to trust Him and believe. As eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I know God has already been ministering, talking, touching some of you. But I'm going to ask somebody right now. I have a feeling it should be more than one. But even if it's only one, I want to ask somebody right now, if you would, to get up out of your seat. To make your way down to this altar. And to begin to communicate with God. And tell Him, God rather than looking for my way around this mountain, rather than looking for my way out of this troubled sea, rather than looking for the exit out of the desert that I'm in, my eyes are going to start searching for you. Because if you've led me, if you've allowed me to be where I am, you also intended to meet me where I am. In the name of Jesus... In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Some are already coming. If I could get some of you that may not need to respond this morning for your own self, if you would please begin to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, the presence of the Lord has been in this place. All morning, throughout our worship, God has already been ministering throughout this service God has already been touching some hearts and lives but I believe there's something here at the end of this service that God would like to solidify in some lives some, some, some of you can leave today and know the mountain may not go away today and know your sea may not get calm this morning and you might not get out of your desert today but what you will leave with is the confidence and the assurance that in the midst of my circumstances and situations, 
I'm going to find God in a way like I've never found Him before. That rather than I'm being abandoned by Him, rather than He has forsaken me, rather than He has left me, I'm going to realize that I am in a time in my life in which God is about to show me something about Himself that I've never seen before. God is about to manifest Himself to me so that I can go beyond just hearing about Him. I can get beyond just hearing somebody tell me about God, but now I can see Him with my own eyes one of if not the greatest blessing of your life and my life is those things that God allows me to face so that I can go beyond hearing about him but I can move into seeing him All faith, all faith must start by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the Word of God. And so that's where faith must start. But your faith must also at some point to trans, must transition to not just hearing about God, but to seeing God. While faith must start with hearing, there's also a degree of instability in faith that is only based on hearing. But all oh, the foundation of a faith that is based on what I have seen with my own eyes, it is an unshakable foundation when my faith is built upon what I have seen, what I have tasted what I have experienced. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I'm finally the name of Jesus. Father, I come against every voice of condemnation this morning. I come against every voice of accusation from the enemy today that would attack our faith, that would attack our confidence and trust. Give somebody faith this morning, God. Give somebody trust this morning. In spite of my failures, in spite of my shortcomings, in spite of my weaknesses, God, you remain the same. Your love is unchanging. Your purpose in my life is unchanging. In the name of Jesus.
name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Give somebody a fresh revelation about you today. Let somebody see you today, God, in a way like never before. Let somebody encounter you today in a way like never before, God. Let somebody understand that all of the things that they have interpreted as being the indicator that you have abandoned them, that those are actually a part of your plan to manifest yourself to them, God. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, if you need to go, want to go, you're welcome to, but the presence of the Lord is still in this place. God is still touching some hearts and lives here today. Some of you haven't yet really opened up to him. Why don't you why don't you give him a chance to show himself to you today? Why don't you let down your guard? Why don't you let down your walls? Show yourself, God. I ask you to show yourself to somebody today in a new way, in a more personal way than they've ever experienced before. Jesus, in the name of 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 Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 